Welcome back to Oh Dear Lord, guys. It's me, Creighton. And I am Jessica. <laughs> We're super excited for today, guys, because today is our Christmas special to where me and Jessica have decided to give each other the present of a story to tell. I am so unbelievably pumped for this. Me too. I love doing things like this. I don't think I've done as much research for any of my other stories as I have for this. Right. I got and invested. Plus, I had to figure out, like, because we had to think of what story is the other person going to enjoy. Because you don't want to give a present they're not going to enjoy. Yeah. Oh. Yep. I'm, I'm just so excited. So I really am, too. Because this is so much better than, like, gifting a candle that nobody wants. <laughs> well, do you know what the best part about gifting a candle is? What? I can always re-gift it next year to someone else. I didn't know what to get them. I think Saturday Night Live did like a like a skit about that. Actually, now that I think about it, they probably did. Gift a candle. Yeah, they did. Seriously. Oh, did they? Emma Stone was in it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to show it to you later. I'm really pumped to tell all this story. All right. Well, do you want to just dive into? I that? want to dive right into it. All right. Well, let's dive in. Like, I am so excited. So I'm not into like murder mysteries that much. Like, I I'm, I think they're fascinating, but like, as far as me sitting down doing research, is just not something I would do. But right. I got into this one. Can this I guess is, at what it is? Oh, did you look at it? No, I didn't. Okay, what? Is it Jeffrey Epstein? Oh well, no. <laughs> um, that would have been too like you could have guessed that. I've been, right. no, I've been into it this past like two weeks now. Yeah. And I, I don't know why. I was like sitting crate and I was like, oh my God, there's a painting of Bill Clinton involved and everything. And Nate's like, or um, and Nathan was like, could you get off the computer now? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm cracking the case. And Nate's like, well, look, if you die, I'm sorry. I was like, okay. I loved you. I, I loved you, but I'm not going down with you. <laughs> Nathan doesn't really care about any of that. He's okay with just living life. And you know, I like that. I don't. I want to know. No, like, I mean, I just, I love that outlook on life. I don't have it because I can't, I can't just be content with life for some reason. My brain won't let me be. Oh, I'm, I'm a nosy. I'm curious. Well, good. Because this Halls, this is the Halls Mills murder, murder case. Have you ever heard of it? No. Okay. What's so weird about this murder case is that it is actually one of the most publicized murder cases in American history, and no one really knows about it. Really? Really. Like, it was... Whoa. Okay. Just... It's so messed up. I was like, this is so bizarre. So, on September 14th, 1922, two young lovers out for a morning stroll in the New Jersey countryside would soon stumble upon a grisly discovery, the body of a man and a woman shot dead in a field. Okay? Okay. So, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm getting so excited now. My hands are shaking. So, like, the body has been... They were both posed in, like, a weird position. So, not only were they killed, they were posed. Like... Like... Okay, I'll tell you. So their feet were pointed toward a crabapple tree. His hand was placed under her neck, kind of like they're cuddling. You know how you lay on your lover's arm, like whenever you're cuddling. So, and then hers were on his thigh, and her legs were crossed. Let's get physical, physical. Yeah. Well, I kind of, kind of thought about the Black Dahlia because remember she was kind of. Well, uh, no, because she was just thrown asunder. Well, they said that she was kind of. It looked provocative, but I think they kind of threw it apart. Right. But a lot of people question what she posed. Which, I must say, it's really hard to tell. But also, if you're going to split a woman from her sternum yeah. all the way down to her like, vaginal region, yeah. probably not going to take time to pose her. Just saying. 
No, who knows at this point, honestly. The man actually, you know how like people, you see a lot of times like cowboys, if they're sleeping, they'll put their hat over their head like they're trying to block the sun. Yeah. That was also, he also had his hat. Oh. This is so like, it looked like they were sleeping. It or looked something. like they were sleeping at first glance, okay? But they saw the blood, and obviously that kind but, of. Yeah. yeah, that's what. Well, that's what gave it away. And so, so both had been shot in the head with a 32 caliber pistol. The man once, and the woman three times, which is so sketch, right? So after closer inspection, a police officer noted that the woman's throat had been slashed and had been hollowed out. As in they removed, like, the as vocal in, like, box As in all? they just, like, went to town her. Like, they were making some sort of... I don't know. They went to town her. It was it was so hollow that you could see her spine. So they literally this cleared a, out the trachea and this everything. This is a crime of passion. For sure. Okay. It, hold on. What's sad is that this is not the most messed up thing about, the, about this story. They took her trachea. How is I that mean, not the most messed up thing? Clearly someone hated her more. Clearly. But um, actually there's... You kind of get... Hold on. Just hold on. So, uh, so she actually... <laughs> she was shot under the right eye, over the right temple, and over the right ear. The bull entered the man's head over his right ear and exited through the back of his neck. Then autopsy four years later would say that her tongue was also cut out. So, you know, clearly she was the least liked of the bunch in this group. So there were also like love letters torn up all around them on the ground. Some were torn, some weren't. But actually the um, <laughs> the police, I shouldn't laugh about this, but it's kind of funny. They pieced like, them back together and they were reading their notes and like he was like he put my darling dear heart i want to crush you for two hours and love you so that we can come together with this universe that we of love that we call ours and like that's almost a direct quote of what he said which i'll be honest if nathan said jessica i want to crush you for two hours <laughs> i feel like you need to go somewhere and so like it was it's weird that's some hot stuff though my dear heart but anyways the man <laughs> It's in, it's kind of important to kind of remember. He's only shot once. She shot three times. And by the way, the reason why they didn't immediately notice that her throat was cut open is because they had she had a scarf wrapped around it as well. So really, it would be easy to walk past these people and kind of see with the corner of your eye and not even know they were bodies, like like dead bodies. So, oh, also one of his business cards was at his feet as well. His business card. His business card. So, this man... Okay, all right, you ready for the kicker? Yeah. They were married to other people. <laughs> it's an affair. So. All right, that, that's not unbelievable. Well, the man was Reverend Edward Wheeler Hall, an Episcopal priest in New Brunswick, and the female was Eleanor Reinhardt Mills, who was a singer in the choir, which would probably mean explain why her tongue was cut out and her throat was hollowed out for being a choir. So, uh, you can... People assume that perhaps it's someone who... Well, clearly... Really want that Christmas solo? Well... They clearly knew about the affair. Right. And uh, they also knew her as a singer because, uh, or you can assume, I should I say, you can make the assumption that they, that's kind of a reference to her singing ability. You know? Right. So the affair was one of the situations where it's what they called an open secret. So pretty much everyone knows what the spouse is, which is so sad. And so obviously the murder sparked a ton of gossip and people actually flocked to the scene like they were going to Six Flags. Oh, yeah. What year was this? 22. 22. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that that was very common practice back then, well, and they destroyed a shit ton of evidence by doing that. Exactly. Oh, sorry. I guess you're about no. to get to that. Well, it gets it gets worse. Okay. Like it's it's this is disgusting human behavior in this. Okay. Um. So who were the spouses? Let's kind of talk about them because that's important. The Reverend's wife well, was Frances Noel Stevens Hall. She is a wealthy woman who many in the community believed the Reverend had only married for money. I feel bad about saying this, but um, she was really known to not be pretty, and they the press called her homely, and um, like they called her ugly a lot, and it's really sad. That's that that that's the press's key word for homely is you don't want to call them ugly. Let's call them homely. Yeah. Well, you gotta keep in mind she was in the press long before any of this happened because she's the heiress to Johnson and Johnson. Really? She got bank. And I mean bank. Like, Not oh like baby. Oh, well, her brothers had even more <laughs> than her. So, like, <laughs> so her brothers, she had two brothers, were considered to be worth $2 million each at the time, which is around, I, I googled, $30 million each today. That is, their net worth was more than Liam Hemsworth, Miley Cyrus's ex. Yeah. More than him. That is such an odd description of Liam Hemsworth. It like is. I was expecting you to say like Thor or something. I was not expecting you to say Miley Cyrus's ex. Yeah. Because wait, was it Chris Hemsworth? Chris Hemsworth Thor? is Thor. It's his brother. Yeah. The okay. last song. Now I remember why you said Miley Cyrus's ex. Yeah, gotcha. But my bad. Please don't send hate. <laughs> People are gonna send hate for that. There there's a difference. Yeah. But He's just not as important as these guys, apparently. I mean, I'd take either one. Johnson & Johnson's a ton. That's a, that's, a, that's a big company even now. So, I mean... You Nothing know. like powder in them bums. Well, they never had to really work for anything. Of course they did. And so, for her to be considered homely, the people are like, oh, she, they must he must have married her for money. Which, I'll be honest, that's the kind of person you would marry for money. Um, someone with that loaded, should I say. You know, not because... Yeah. So they were married on July 20th, 1911. So her Eleanor's husband, his name was James Mills. He is a sexton <laughs> at the church and a janitor at a nearby elementary school. You put that in there just so you could laugh. Dude. Actually, that's what my source said and I went with it because it made me happy. <laughs> if you don't know, my maiden name is Sexton. So so he was like, you know, like I said, he was a sexton at the, ch- at the church that right. he was the reverend. The uh, other victim was the reverend of. Um, his wife was in the choir. He was a sec- Everyone's involved here. Um, so everyone has a motive. You know? Yeah. So, and a janitor. So pretty much he's like, honestly, a nobody? I hate to say that, but it's true. You know, Reverend's wife, she got moolah. This one's, oh, by the way, uh, Eleanor is like known to be like really, really pretty. And actually, I should have brought a photo of her, but I'll post it on our Instagram. She was actually really pretty. Yeah. Like, really pretty. And so... Honestly, it probably hit Frances even more whenever she eventually does find out about it. Because I'm sure she already feels self-conscious because the media is talking about her not being pretty. And then this person that your husband's cheating on is, like, super pretty. Don't worry, hun. You're homely. <sighs> no. Don't worry, honey. You got more bank than anybody. You don't got to worry about nothing. Go buy you a new hubby. Also, you shouldn't have to worry about the standards of what other people think about your beauty. Absolutely, because in today's society, like now, she wouldn't have been considered that bad, really. Right. I mean, like, look at us. We're gargles. They can't look at us, Crate. It's a podcast. 
Oh, Tama, you should look at us. Oh. We're gargles. Oh, it's true. <laughs> I'm Crumpus. In fact, if you want to see how ugly we are, you should go to our Instagram. <laughs> Rate oh, dear us. Lord, a. Smash or pass. <laughs> and, Please pass. That'll hurt my feelings. Let's not. But, uh, <laughs> so, let me say, he was known as a, so, Mr. Mills was known to be very nice, but a little bit on the gullible side. Um, he was also very, like, aware and made jokes about marrying out of his league. Yeah. And so, which is so, it makes me, it hurts me for them. Oh, yeah. Him and Jay, uh, him and Eleanor had two children, Charlotte E. Mills and Daniel Mills. And was she all, homely, too? Charlotte, their daughter? No. She was, like, really pretty, too. Oh. Like, well, that's Eleanor's daughter. Oh, okay. Yeah, not Francis's daughter. Okay, got Bear it. Bear with me. I know their names thrown around. Sorry. But, no, it's fine. Honestly, at the end of the day, the real victims are probably the children. Honestly. I don't want to say, like, they deserved it for cheating. They deserved to be killed. But, like, can you imagine the impact all this had on the children? Is what I'm trying oh, yeah. to make a comment, you know? Well, I mean, and also the spouses. Well... It's questionable whether they got the, what they wanted out of it. Oh, I know. You know. So, obviously, let me go ahead and say, we are, whenever there is an affair, especially when there's like, in this case, where love letters are scattered and homegirl got her whole darn jugular tore out, um, first thing people think of is jealousy spouses. You know what I mean? But we'll get to that. But, you know, let's be honest. We're all thinking it. We all know. So, the de- the destruction of evidence that you were talking about yeah. is outrageous in this. So, uh, the ju- there was a jurisdictional issue whenever the police got there. Okay? So, it complicated the initial investigation. As the crime scene was near the mid- Middlesex community and Somerset County border, New Brunswick police arrived first, but the first... <laughs> but... You know, hold on. The crime scene was actually in Somerset County. They had to sit there and like fight about who's who's it. You know, whose jurisdiction is this? It's the most pathetic thing ever. So while they're settling this, like off to the side, curious people trampled the scene and they made a big shindig out of it. One of my sources even said people started selling popcorn and drinks and balloons. It was that big of a thing. So not really the county fair type of deal. It, they treat it that way. They really did. Um, vendors were like showing up and everything. So some people took souvenirs, like like some of the love letters, and um, some. Oh, and the victim's business card was passed around. What level of idiocy is that? Like, are you kidding me? So, what kind of pastor needs a business card? Well, what pastor sleeps behind his wife's back? A lot of them. Yeah, and guess what? Learn your lesson. This could be you. I mean, nobody's ever just going. Where is that pastor's business card? Uh, well, I don't know. You know, I've seen a few, like, pastors that do it, but I don't know. I, oh. Like, I, I couldn't see if you had a congregation doing it. Like, if you had, like, a home church. But, you know, like, they have traveling pastors. I could see them. Like, hey, you know, you're out sick or something? Call me. I don't know. I guess it's just a way to, like... I don't know. I guess when you're a pastor, it's I don't want to say you're your own business, but you in a way are. Yeah. You know, so and I your guess your business is God's business. Ex- well, yeah. And hey, what's done in the dark we brought to the light, and that's the moral of this story, honestly. Um, <laughs> I'm not saying they deserve to get killed, but I will tell you, it a lot of 
stories and murder cases when there are affairs are typically the spouses. Well, that's why they say that anytime someone's murdered, the spouse is the first one you look at. Yeah, absolutely. And so, honestly, if you're having an affair and you're listening to this, you might really want to think on that, okay? Because this gets messy. (laughs) Real messy. Next time you go out, invite your wife along. Uh, Um, And don't do it with a preacher. That's weird. That's extra wrong. Well, I mean, think about it. Who are they going to tell? (laughs) The confession, I guess. Mm. So, by the way, Jesus sees everything, y'all nasties. I've got a joke for when we end this. Oh, is it that bad? No, no, no. It just, it's a long joke, and I don't... Okay. All right. So, let me tell you what happened that night. Okay. So, the night of the murder, the spouses found that their significant others did not make it home and were wondering where they were. So, usually both of them are known to come home around or dinner time. I mean, duh. You know, they're still adults. And um, they're like, where are you at? You didn't come home. So around 2.30 in the morning, Francis, the reverend's wife, and her brother Willie went out to look for him because, you know, yeah. So they, they kept, like, she kept, rash, like, according to her, she kept, like, rationalizing, oh, well, he's, he's probably at church. You know, that's his full-time job. You know, sometimes he would be late. Usually he would let her know. But sometimes, let's say someone comes and they need real spiritual help. You can't be like, let me call my wife if they really need something. So she was understanding of that. But at 2.30 in the morning, you're like, okay, what's going on? You well, know? You should have got his spirit in line a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, or at least at that point, be like, let me call my wife. Because you never know, you know? Yeah. So even in this time, that's, that's, that's sketch, you guys. So they looked at the church and around town, but did not find him. And her brother finally convinced her that they would look in the morning when it, we know, and that they should go home. Maybe he would turn up, whatever the case. Of course, we know where he was. So it isn't clear what Eleanor's husband was, you know, what was doing at the time. We don't know that if he went to look for her or anything. Sketch. Suspish. So two days later on September 16th, a did young... Did they not ask him? I'll get into that. Oh, okay. It's it's, it's really it's scat. No, no, it's fine. It's it's you're like it doesn't make sense. So two days later on September sixteenth, a young couple was walking down the ta- the town's quote unquote lovers lane. So in the Somerset, New Jersey, and that's where they found the bodies. Okay. So she on lovers lane on the lovers lane. Ah. It's even more damning. Like you can't you can't make this up. It's that crappy. <laughs> like. So she was wearing a blue dress with red polka dots, black silk stockings, and brown shoes. And she, which honestly, I hate that she matched black with brown. That's a thing that I hate. She had worn a, that's a thing I hate. She wore a blue velvet hat that was on the ground near her body, and her brown silk scarf was wrapped around her throat. I think I mentioned that earlier. Mm-hmm. Her arm had a bruise, and there was a tiny cut on her lip, which is funny because they cut her tongue out. I yeah. mean, I don't think that's the most concerning thing, but they made that point. But maybe they put that on there because it looked like her lip had been busted, like she'd been hit. Maybe so. Um, Or maybe they nicked it on the way, cutting her tongue out. Well, clearly they went through the throat, Jess, like a Bolivian bow tie. tie. Honestly, this is really... A Glasgow smile. Yeah. Well, it's really... You know someone had a... Like, this was severe... Someone was pissed off in the biggest sense. And to be honest, if they took out her trachea and all, they probably reached in there and just pulled down and pulled the tongue with it and cut out from there. Probably. But it says uh, he was wearing a pair of glasses. There was a small bruise on the tip of his ear and abrasions were found on his left little finger and right index finger. 
A wound was found five inches below his kneecap and on the calf of his right leg. His watch was missing and there were coins in his pocket and he was wearing a formal white crisp shirt. So obviously they were dressed up for a date. Right. You know. So the couple ran that found To be them. fair, most preachers dress like that. Just Well, remember. she was wearing her velvet hat. Oh, I didn't. I wasn't talking about her. I was just talking about the preacher. Like, he could have gotten away with it because he probably dressed like that most days. Maybe so. Maybe so. And yeah, I think this is the 20s. So, like, going to Walmart in your night clothes was, like, not tolerated. <laughs> so, you know, they were guys were known for always having a hat with them. You know, I don't know. Um, but it, they were on Lover's Lane. They got love notes. They, you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're positioned in a loving manner. This is really sick, honestly. Like, that, like that, that takes Someone took time. It, yeah, well, premeditated. Oh, it had, it's and clearly, clearly they weren't as mad at him as they were at her. Which you can, you can sit there and wonder, well, I mean, the husband can be more mad at her. Or the wife can be more mad at yeah. her. You can't really tell you know we well, you know like a lot of murders that you hear about like this both of them are just like beat to hell and back yeah because that that's what you do you're angry with both of them they both cheated right but but she have so much violence done just on her and then he's got bruises only one shot too and that's it yeah that's it like he would just get out the way well and the, you know there was no, it was never clear whether like she was alive for when a, he died well Whenever they they can tell that they died about like not long apart, but they can't tell if she was alive when they were like trying to hollow Slid her, her out, yeah. yeah, or was she shot first? They couldn't decide that. Which this is the twenties, and as much as we don't like, we kind of take for granted here, like in today's society, as far as investigation goes, with the evidence being tampered with so much, and the fact that they didn't they didn't like fingerprints were like new back then, yeah. So. They, they, they really can't give definite answers for a lot of this. And the closest thing that most of them had to a forensic scientist was the coroner himself or yep. the doctor who came out there. Right. Because the doctor would have more training than anyone else in that area. Well, what sense does it make? It took four years for them to be like, yep, cut her tongue out. Are you kidding me? Her tongue's gone. Yeah. And you just now are saying four years later, well, her tongue's gone. You said that it took them two days to find him, right? Yeah. The tongues are soft tissue that can sometimes be taken by birds and all. Well, they said the reason why they knew that they'd been dead for at least 24 hours because maggots were getting in. I didn't yeah. know if I was going to say that because I know that might be a little much. Sorry. That's part of it. It's part. It's part of it, but I know I don't. I don't know how our listener may handle it. But you're right. Obviously, the couple who found them, like I said, it's Lover's Lane. You know, they ran to the closest house and called the police. And of course, this led to the district issue and the damaging of evidence. And I'm when I say damaging, like there's nothing they can do at this point. Even though fit, uh, footprints, goodness, fingerprints were new, kind of newish back then, it doesn't matter now when everyone's touched the dang thing. Right. It, it doesn't even matter. And so this gets us to the pig lady. And I'm not referring to like the pig man that we discussed in a previous episode. Jane Gibson is her name. Uh-huh. So her son and her, William, lived in an old barn that was not, not far off from the murder scene. Like, not at all. Not even a mile away. So she raised hogs, and that and that's why she's referred to as the pig lady. And it's so unfortunate, because she's literally just trying to help and give a testimony. But they called her the pig lady. So she told the investigators that her dog was barking, barking loudly at 9 o'clock at night. So she went outside of her house and saw a man standing in her cornfield... She, this kind of made me laugh. She rode her mule, 
Which is funny because this is New Jersey. Yeah. You know, which the, I know the Garden times are State. different. I mean, but her riding out her mule and when you think Jersey, you're thinking like big sure. city and all. I mean, but she rode her mule toward the um, Easton Avenue to approach the man. And as she got closer, she saw there were four people standing near the crabapple tree. And she heard gunshots and one of the figures fell to the ground. We can assume dead. And uh, so she testified that a woman screamed don't three times. Eleanor, you know. So she said she turned her mule around and headed back to her house and then heard more gunshots. I'll be honest, I kind of thought it was funny. She was like, I'm not involved. And she turned her mule around. I, I imagine, like, in in the mental image I have yeah. of a mule doing a U-turn. Like, right, right. Oh, no. Well, ah. She she said, like, what's this going on near my yard? And then you're like, boom, boom. Uh, no. Weird. It's not my business anyway, <laughs> you know. Um, it kind of ma- That kind of made me laugh. It shouldn't have, but it did. It also makes me wonder if she was close enough to see them. That you would have heard a mule running up behind you. You think they I, maybe would, not you think with they the screaming, but yeah, that's what I was saying. Or maybe it was the heat of the moment. I don't. Yeah. I can't say. So it's important to keep on. So like, there's like four. Yeah, there's four people she sees, and only one woman. So keep that in mind. So she said she turned her mule around, and she looked back at the tree, and she saw a second person fall down, probably dead. And she testified that she heard a woman shout the name Henry. Okay. So here comes the trial. So the authorities declared jealousy the motive. You know, like we talked yeah. about. Suspicion soon fell over Edward Hall's wife and her two brothers. Okay. So. What's one of them named Henry? Ah. So the suspects were Francis, her two brothers, Henry and Willie. Willie's the one that went and looked for her husband with her. Keep that in mind. And her cousin, Henry, as well. So, Henry, the cousin, Henry Carpenter, worked as a Wall Street stockbroker. Remember, I said money? Money. So, although he was an initial suspect, he was never brought to trial. And I think, honestly, he was really only brought because his name was Henry. Yeah. And he was close relation. He lived close. You know? So, but they really didn't have enough evidence to even hold him. They really didn't have evidence at all. It was screwed over. But, you know, they... Besides his name, that's all they really had against him. He said they didn't even bring him to court. So, Henry, the brother, is said to be the man that fired the shots, according to the prosecution. You know, alleged. Yeah. So, Henry testified that he was fishing miles away from the murder on the night of the killing, and he also had three alibis. So, I mean... So, that rules out the Henry thing. In the eyes of the court. Well, I was about to say, doesn't necessarily... In the eyes of the court. Well, you have no evidence... Everything's hearsay at this point. So, Frances also had an alibi. So, her maid was there. It is unclear if the maid went with her and her brother to look for her husband or not, but the maid was like, well, they, you know, they were gone not too long, but, you know, I don't think it was time for that. And they looked fine when they came back, except for, like, where where he was at. You know, she was, like, vouching for their reactions, really, that when they came back. So, Willie, her brother, on the other hand, he was a colorful character. That's that's what the quote is on the witness stand. Like he oh, made that a, really? He made a total you-know-what of himself. He delivered a very credible testimony, though. Um, you know, so Willie's eccentric personality was consistent with that we know of today as Asperger's Syndrome and Autism Spectrum Disorder, which I didn't know this, but back in the day, that was, like, not a thing. So he the w- Spectrum? 
Yeah. Yeah. Or and as I'm sorry, it may have been Asperger's. That was not a thing then. I mean, it was. It just wasn't. You you couldn't be diagnosed, or he wasn't. You right. couldn't really be diagnosed it. But it's back in the day, we're like, we can spank it out of you, which... Well, also, you have to realize that back then, they didn't even really have psychology. They had, yeah. like, psychoanalysis and things like that. Mental illness was just not really delved into at the time. And to be honest, we didn't start classifying and really separating them out and, like, really looking into what makes each one tick until, like, the 70s and 80s. Yeah. So this is, like, 50-odd years yeah. before that. So, I mean, so... A lot of people try to use that against him, but that doesn't, that's not damning evidence. It's not, you no. know, it's not, it's just something he deals with. So it's not even evidence to a murder. Um, well, not evidence at all, you know. So actually the trial lasted for 30 days. They were ultimately, ultimately acquitted of the murders due to obviously lack of evidence because I don't care if you're fighting with jurisdiction or not, you cannot be so stupid to just let people come up and Well, like, it. there's plenty of, like, um, I'm sure you've heard about the um, the axe murderer, not of New Orleans, but oh. the one of the whole family in the house. Probably. So, basically, I think it was like seven members of the family and then two neighbor children mm. in one night were killed with an axe. Like, somebody came into the house and killed That's all so of them brutal. in their beds as they slept. But, the thing is, as the police were, like, investigating... They were letting people from the town come in and basically do a tour from room to room to look at the bodies. It's kind of like the um, John Bonet Ramsey thing. Just stupid. Why? Uh, by the way, when you said the axe murder, like the family thing, my first thought was Lizzie Borden. No. We should totally do like an axe murder thing oh, yeah. <laughs> episode. America has a lot of those. My cousin, by the way, my cousin Tara, she's friends with the producer of the Lizzie Borden TV series on Netflix. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have those hookups. No. One day, Jeff. We're just two friends. One day when this phone. takes off. <laughs> there will be a show about us. Who do you think would play you? I say Tom Cruise. He'll be too old by that point. They will CGI him. Matt Bomer. I no. thought Neil Patrick Harris could be good for you. I would, I, I still, I just love Matt. Bomber. I love Neil. I, uh, first of all, who doesn't? But. I was about to get offended because I thought you were saying you didn't. I was like. Oh no. I was really offended. Neil Patrick Harris is like one of the most phenomenal actors alive at the moment. I want Helena Bomb Carter to play me. It's not going to happen, but actually Greville Wilson or Melissa McCarthy would be a good maze. <laughs> like, I think ah. they would do really good maze. I, I would go watch that movie. I, I would watch that movie. 100%. Everyone would go. Oh, could you imagine, like Tom Cruise and or, or Neil Patrick Harris or whoever beside like Rebel Wilson in front of a mic? Just who would you not want to play you? Oh, Halle Berry. I don't care about Halle Berry. Who is someone I hate? I hate Jennifer Lawrence. I hate her. She's stupid. Come at me. You can. I can. I don't care. I don't care if I get hate for it. I can't stand her acting. Wow, this turned into a rant real quickly. Sorry, moving on. Murder. <laughs> Speaking of murder. So, ultimately, they were acquitted. So, many people argue that there could have been potential evidence claiming that Eleanor's husband could have been involved in the actual killing. I mean, like we said, we don't even know what he was doing that night. Right. We just know that uh, she didn't show up. Right. And so, like, many... <laughs> It, first of all, it was not acknowledged in court about what James could have been up to that night. 
They didn't acknowledge it. They were like, oh, no, it's the woman. Which, you know, we've had a discussion. With a brother named Henry. Yeah, with someone named Henry. Well, here's the thing. So, if someone screened... if They said they only saw one woman. Or she saw only saw one woman. And she heard her scream Henry. Well, there's no actual reason why Eleanor would even know Francis's brother Henry. Or Right. So, that already is kind of odd. You know, and of course, when you hear shots... Which then was, again, maybe she was so homely that they thought she was a man standing up there. Oh my god. There. She's not that homely, you guys. No, well, no, but maybe she was wearing like a trench coat or something that gave her a boxier frame. Maybe so, but... She could have said hurry. I don't know. I'm giving... I'm, I'm, I'm throwing things out here and she thought she said Henry. I don't know. But... I don't know. I don't know. So... <laughs> It is speculated, though, and I actually really like this kind of theory. Mm-hmm. It is speculated the hype brought in more money to the local area, which, it, you know, especially it would bring more money if the if this heiress is behind the murders. Right. So if people were so morally corrupt to alter evidence for the sake of curiosity, who's to say that they wouldn't let right. her take the fall for it? And she didn't necessarily take the fall. So in their mentality, or in a mentality, what harm was really done? You see right. what I'm saying? It's not like she suffered for it. Well, in their eyes, you know, she didn't. She didn't suffer as badly as she could have. I'm sure she. I'm sure she suffered. I mean, for she's it. gonna go through some things. But. Whether look, whether she killed him or not, um, I don't want to say it's irrelevant because it is totally relevant. But even if she didn't have anything to do with it, that's something she's gonna have to. That's huge public humiliation. Not only finding out your husband's cheating on you, just like Lizzie Borden. Just like Lizzie Borden. Exactly like Lizzie Borden. So. With that being said, there could have been suspicion with the, with the husband, but the idea was like pushed to the side since he was technically a nobody to the press. I mean, you know, obviously he's he's some he was somebody, but not to the big, you know, not to the it, broader world. It doesn't bring people. It doesn't sell headlines. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So I guess we'll really never know for sure. But this is something really cool that really excited me even more. This story would inspire an author by the name of F. Scott Fitzgerald into writing The Great Gatsby. Really? And when I look back, I'm like, that makes total freaking sense. Doesn't that make me like make oh. you happy? That's like made me so happy. So let me ask you, who do you think did it? I definitely think that there's not enough evidence there. Even even if they didn't tamper with it, there's still right, a little like, bit of we, we need his side of the story for what he was doing and like Does an he have account. an alibi? Right. Everyone else had an alibi. Right. So yeah. No, I'm gonna say that I don't think the wife did it. I don't think so either. But I don't think there's enough evidence to actually say Jessica, I believe. Like I mean, honestly, with that amount of evidence you could go, I believe the flying saucer came down and hit him in the head and had to cover their own tracks. Like Yeah, but there is something important too though. I forgot to mention this. So Willie, you know, they say he had Asperger's and all that. Well, he actually did own a thirty eight caliber gun. However, um, it was messed up. So they're like, Well you had one. Well, it was a mess like it was it had to be fixed, so is that relevant? Yeah. And so Really depends on how it got damaged. Thirty well, thirty-eight calibers weren't uncommon. Right. So it's really and they have no evidence to, to show that he used it or like recently. Like yeah. it looked it it seemed that it had been messed up for a while. But it wasn't brought in for evidence. That's that's even weirder. 
It's just, it's weird. It's it's just stupidly done. I really enjoyed that story, Jeff. Right? Like, no, that that was like the best present you could have got me for Really? Aww. You ready for yours? Yeah. All right. I'm excited. Now. So, Jessica, I've got a question. Have you ever heard of the sea people before? You and I'm not talking about mermaids. Before oh. you come off, because I saw it forming on your lips. Shut up. Are you referring to like, um, there was a... a Kind of like, you know, Atlantis is supposed to be underwater. Some people speculate that they, people actually exist underwater, like in a whole like world kind of way. Yeah. Oh, those? Cool. No. Oh. No, those are not the ones, but I know what you're talking about. Oh. <laughs> I would just show in solidarity with Dang your it. thought. No. Trey's so, looking at me like I'm an idiot. <laughs> the Sea Peoples are an actual name given to a historic group of people. Oh, so these are real people? Yes. Oh, I'm excited. Go ahead. All right. So... According to the Ancient History Encyclopedia website, uh-huh. the Sea People were thought to be a confederacy, which is a league or a compact for mutual support or common action, of naval raiders that attacked towns in the Mediterranean Sea between 12,076 and 11,078 BCE. Whoa. So right. we're talking like pillagers here. Yeah. Like by kind of like Vikings, but like sort of like a lot of people a lot of people have a thought that they could be like ancient Vikings. Okay. But this is the Mediterranean. God, this is old story. Right. Before Christ, you guys. So they are also thought to have played a major role in the collapse of the Bronze Age civilizations. Wow. Right. So, the Bronze Age was a significant period for technological advancement in human history. The Bronze Age was the first time that humans started smiting metal to make tools. Before this period, most tools were made of stone. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also saw the rise of several large cultures in the Near East, such as the Hittite Empire, Mm -hmm. the Egyptians, which were already a thing, but we're going into like the early and middle kingdoms here. It's kind of biblical. It's kind of weird. The Assyrians. Yes. The Babylonians. Oh my gosh. And the Mycenaean Greeks, along with several smaller groups of people spread throughout the area. This is exciting. Right. So the Bronze Age is also where we find the first evidence of more advanced writing system. So before this, we would find evidence of people writing, but it was normally like symbols. Yeah. That would mean something. Like drawings. Right. Yeah. But this is the first time that we found them put together to make congruent, like, records. Yeah. So, uh, many of the written records from this period either no longer exist or they cannot be read by modern scholars, such as the writings from the Minoan civilization that inhabited the islands of Crete during the time period, because we have no reference point for them. Mm. So we cannot crack the code of their language and a lot of the cultures at this time are like that yeah so there's a lot of records that we have we just can't read oh that sucks right such a tease and so after the collapse of the bronze age the mediterranean cultures of the era entered a dark age at the area in uh, went from the bronze age to the iron age mm-hmm. and during this dark age many of the lavish lifestyles trade rights communication between kingdoms fell apart and as such, documentation about the identity of the Sea People is scarce, and most of the records actually come from ancient Egypt, who faced them in battle. Oh. This has led to many fascinating theories about this ancient group of people we call at the Sea People. Now, to be fair, 
The sea people were first given that name by the French Egyptologist Gaston Maspero mm-hmm. in 1881. Maspero came up with the term because the ancient reports claimed that these tribes came from the sea or from the islands, but they never say which sea or which islands. Mm-hmm. And so the sea people's origin remains unknown. Really? Yes. So they're not Mediterranean, they're just around that area. Well, they think that they're Mediterranean. So we don't even really know. Right. Well, I mean, so long ago, but... So, let's start with the first record of the Sea People. Yes. Now, the first record recorded account we found was from the time of Ramses II, also known as Ramses the Great. Yeah. So, he ruled Egypt from 1279 to 1213 BCE. Mm-hmm. His account begins with a battle with the Hittite Empire over the city of Kadesh in the modern-day Syria, which was an important economic city in the Egyptian Empire. So Egypt used to actually extend from where it is now up the coast of the Mediterranean on in to where Syria is now. Right. So, now there are varying accounts as to which side won this battle as each side has claimed to have won. Uh... In this battle, Ramses II claimed the sea people were allied with the Hittite Empire and that he had hired some of them as mercenaries for his own army. Now, in this description, it's theorized that Ramses did not feel the need to explain who the sea people were or where they came from because everyone already knew who they were. Yeah. So, clearly from this account, since he gave no introduction, he didn't tell people... They came from this faraway land. Like, there was no description of who these unknown people are. Clearly, they must have been known by the people at the time. Or else there would have been this. He thought they would at least be known by his, in history. Right. That's so crazy. So, he didn't say anything about them, really, like, where they came from. So, uh, Ramses also states, in the second year of his reign, he defeated these people in a naval battle off the coast of Egypt. Ramses allowed the Sea People's warships and their supply and cargo vessels to approach the mouth of the Nile, where he had a small Egyptian fleet positioned in a defensive formation. He then waited in the wings for the Sea Peoples to attack what seemed to be an insignificant force before launching his full-on attack and uh, getting them from their flanks and sinking their ships. The battle seemed to have involved only the Sheridan Sea Peoples, or at least they are the only ones mentioned. Mm-hmm. Because after the battle, many were pressed into uh, Ramsey's armies, and some of them served as his elite bodyguards. Hmm. Right. So, the next record we find is on the funeral stele from Menfret, the son of Ramses the Great. Okay. Uh, in this inscription, the Egyptians tell of the great battle, and in 1209, the people of Libya and their allies, who were from the seas to the north, unquote, Menfret, unlike his father, goes on to tell the names of the different people who make up the sea people. Okay. He says that they are the Iquish, the Teresh, the Luca, the Sheridan, and the Shelklish. Okay. And I'm probably not pronouncing any of them I don't know right. if that last one he did sounded so cool. Shelklish? Yeah, like the way you pronounce it, I was like, mm, that was pretty good. <laughs> that was like AF somewhere, like, do it again. Shecklish. I'm gonna have that as my ringtone. <laughs> I don't know why I like. I don't know why I like how you pronounce that so much. It's probably wrong, but well, I'll pronounce it every now and then for you. <laughs> uh, scholars on the subject still debate to this day the true identity of these people, as their lands have changed names and little documentation exists of the places. 
And at this point in their history, it seems the sea people were seeking to establish permanent settlements in Egypt as the invading force brought with them scores of household goods and building tools. Menfret, after praying, fasting, and consulting the gods in the manner of strategy, met the sea peoples on the field at Tyre, where they combined Egyptian forts of infantry, cavalry, and archers slew over 6,000 of their opponents and took captive members of the royal Libyan family. The Menfret still conclusion reads in part saying, The princes prostrate themselves, saying, Peace! Not one of the nine bows dares to raise his hand. Tenu is plundered while Hati is peaceful. Canaan is seized by every evil. Ascalon is carried off and Gazir is seized. Yanman is made as that which never existed. Israel is wasted without seed. Kor is made the widow of Egypt. And the lands are at peace. Everyone who travels has been subdued by the king of the upper and lower Egypt. Fun fact. This is the first ever time in history that the word Israel has ever been used. Really? In the first this time? exact inscription. Wow. I mean, you gotta think how old it's this is. It's the first written record where we have found any mention of Israel. That's crazy. But it is said that they don't know if this was Israel as a country or Israel as a people. Probably as a people at the time. Right. That's what I'm thinking. Because that would actually go along with more biblical stories. They would they would call the Israel as the people. Mm-hmm. So, but we're not focused on Israel today, so we're going to go back to the sea <laughs> people now. I just thought you'd find that fascinating. I do find that extremely fascinating. So, the next record was from Ramses III. The sea peoples attacked and destroyed the Egyptian trading center of Kadesh. <laughs> and then again attempted an invasion of Egypt. They began their activities with quick raids along the coast, as they had done in the times of Ramses II, before driving for the delta. And now, here is a quote from the inscription. The foreign countries conspired in their islands. All at once the lands were removed and scattered in the fray. No land could resist their armies. From Hati to Kod to Karkamesh to Aswar to Ashla, on, being cut off one at a time. Mm. A camp was set up in Amaru, they desolated its people, and its land was like that which had never existed. They were coming forward towards Egypt while the flame was prepared for them. Their confederation was the Peleset, the Tijer, the Shuklish, <laughs> the Din, the Wishlish lands united. They laid their hands upon the lands as far as the circuit of the earth. Their hearts were confident and trusting as they said, our plans will succeed. Wow. So, the countries mentioned in the Confederation of Sea Peoples might be the regions of the Palestinians, which were the Peleset, uh-huh. which were also the uh, enemies of the Israelites. Right. So, this may be the actual time that they came in and started setting up their country. Wow. Right. Or the the Tijerk, which were from Syria, it's thought, but... No one's certain on this. Right. It is clear, though, that these were the same people, with some additions, who attacked Egypt with the Libyans in the time of the Menfret. In this invasion, as in the earlier one, the Sea Peoples were allied with the Libyans, and, as Ramses III notes, they were confident of victory. They had already destroyed the Hittite Empire, referring uh, referred to in an inscription from the, Hitta- uh, the Hittite Emperor himself in 1200 BCE 
And that's when Ramsay III writes, they are coming forward towards Egypt. He would most likely be saying that they are advancing steadily without opposition. Mm-hmm. Although Ramsay III had saved Egypt from conquest, the war was so expensive it drained the royal treasury and the tomb builders at the village of Set Marah could not be paid. This led to the first ever labor strike in recorded history hmm. where the workers walked off the job and refused to return until they are fully compensated. That's a mood. Yep. People don't really change, truthfully. They really don't. Nope. History repeats itself and historians repeat each other. That was deep. Yeah. <laughs> that was real. That was too real. So, after their defeat, defeat by Ramsay III, the Sea People vanished from history. The survivors of the battles perhaps assimilated into Egyptian culture, and no records indicate where they came from, and there's no accounts of them after 1178 BCE. But, for almost 100 years, they are the most feared sea raiders in the Mediterranean region and a constant challenge to the might and prosperity of Egypt. Please tell me that's not it. It's not. There's okay. theories now. Okay, okay. Oh, this is my favorite part. Go ahead. Right, and I, I collected a lot of them I thought you'd enjoy. It's just weird. Like, they were just gone? Yeah, they just dis. Well, you also have to realize that at the end of their reign of terror, it was the collapse of the Bronze Age, and as the yeah. as the empires broke down, the writing broke down, and so people weren't keeping records of this so time. So it's not necessarily that they just vanished. It's more like we don't have actual written evidence to tell us. Right. Like we okay. just don't have accounts. Right. That sucks, man. So, <laughs> oh, no. for my theories, I started at Listverse, like I've done in past things. Oh, yeah. And then I researched the Listverse things. And so, I picked out my favorite theories. Oh, I'm excited. And I've added in one or two of my own. I already can guess one for sure. I, I'm sure you can. I'm sure. I'm sure. I have a meme in my head right now. So, the first ones, we're going to talk about the Sardinians. Sardinians, like yeah. sardines. Right. We'll see. And where this came from is where um, the very first Ramsey II, he would talk about the Sharendans. Mm-hmm. They think that these are the same people. So in the Mindu Habu, I'm positive that's not how you say that, <laughs> a mortuary temple dedicated to Ramsey III, there's carved in stone the most famous depiction of the Sea Peoples. Okay. So we have a picture essentially. Showing several battles. The relief closely identified the Sea Peoples with several different types of headwear. So okay. they're thinking each tribe would have had their own unique headwear. And we went back and tried to match the headwear to other cultures okay. around the Mediterranean. So the most striking group is depicted wearing horned helmets. Oh my god. It gosh. is commonly thought that these fighters belong to Sheridan. One of the nine groups named by Egyptian records. Again, because most of the ancient Egyptians were mostly interested in fighting and defeating the Sea Peoples, they didn't keep detailed records concerning their origins. So, however, several researchers have concluded that the Sheridan people were from Sardinia. Specifically, the Sheridan are considered part of the island's Nardric civilization a little-known civilization that left behind numerous stone sites, including towers, houses, and burial complexes. The Narclic people, so named because their stone structures, or Nargal, also left behind statues, including Bronze Age figurines showing Sardinian warriors wearing horned helmets. Wow. Right. I think of Loki. (laughs) So, now on to the next theory. Okay. Now, this isn't really a thought of where they came, Mm -hmm. because some people believe that they could be the Etruscans, 
which it is thought, like, very little's known about the Etruscans either because they come from this time period. Right. And there's not a lot of records on them. But they're thought to be the people who established the city of Troy. Oh my God! I love this. I know. I, I love. love I love Troy. this. I, I eat this junk up. So, the Battle of Troy is <laughs> in the heart of the Iliad. Yes. One of the Western world's oldest works of literature. The epic poem describes the protracted siege of Troy by several armies representing different tribes of Greece. Three of the tribes, the Danioi, the Trikans, and the Achaeans could have participated in the Sea People's invasions. In fact, the Battle of Troy may have been an invasion by the Sea People. So, in the Great Carnic Inscription and the Menfret Steel, these Greek tribes were called the Dinian, the Chicker, and the Elkwish, respectively. However, none of this is set in stone, even though the Aegean region certainly provided a majority of the pirates involved in the Sea People's Confederation. Mm -hmm. So, insofar as the Trojan War is concerned, many believe that Homer's poem is a fictional rendering of a real confrontation between a Greek confederation of soldiers and the native inhabitants of Troy's who may be the ancestors of the Etruscans. I've read on that before, where they were like, was, was there truth to some of his stories? Yeah. Oh my god. So, tantalizingly, the Tawagalawan <laughs> letter, which is written by the unnamed Hittite king, which I mentioned before, yeah. generally believed to be Hasui III of the king of Adawa, the, an ancient Alotian kingdom just south of Troy speaks of an ancient incident involving Walusa. Specifically, the letter tells of a recent war between the Hittites and Elam over Walusa. Many believe that Walusa, which belonged to the kingdom of Arswan, was the Hittite name for Troy, while Alwa was the name the Hittites gave to the Mycenaean Greek civilization of Asia Minor. This isn't mere speculation, because archaeological evidence recovered from western Turkey certainly points to the fact that Bronze Age Greeks developed city-states not far from the lands claimed by Hittites. So that's that's not even... I would consider that almost fact at this point. Then. Right. Yeah. And Troy has been found, so... Yeah, absolutely. I always think of Agamemnon and, of course, Achilles. Everyone knows Achilles. Fun fact, we can find no historical records for a king named Agamemnon. Really? Right. Mm. And then, of course, there's Paris, and then I can't think of the other one's name. Paris is the one that took Helen. Right. She became Helen of Troy when she married. Paris of Troy. Yeah. And Hector. His brother's name is Hector. Hector is the one that Achilles, like, dragged around. They also have Troy to be a turd because, you know, why not? You know? Yeah. All right. So, are you ready for the next Okay, yeah. Theory? Sorry. Yeah, I got excited. Go ahead. All right. So, the next one is the Minoans. I talked about them earlier. Yeah, you did. So, although a majority of the Sea Peoples may have come from the Greek mainland, it's been speculated the island of Crete, which was then home to the powerful Minoan civilization, Mm -hmm. also produced raiders who participated in the conquest of the Sea Peoples. At times, Crete has been connected to Jakir and the Peleset Peoples, both of whom were lumped in with the Sea Peoples Confederation by the ancient Egyptian war Arthurs, which would mean that if this theory was correct, it's possible that the Minoan civilization, or descendants from it, wound up settling Palestine. What? If if the Peleset people were from Minoa, and they settled Palestine, 
that would make them the same people. Huh. But later to the prior to the late Bronze Age collapse, the Minoans traded widely with the Egyptians and the civilizations of the Levant. Furthermore, the Armenian letters uh, of Crete, which is called the Caliper, is included as one of the great regional powers that suffered under the Compton attacks of sea peoples. That being said, Minoan pirates, along with the Menetian colonists who had settled both Crete and Cyprus, Cyprus, don't know why I said it weird, it's okay. may have joined the sea peoples to capture livestock, booty, and slaves. Livestock what and slaves? Booty. Booty. <laughs> A bounty okay. of variable treasures, Jess. I'm sorry when you said booty. I was like... I'm sorry. I told you I didn't have much sleep. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just made me laugh. Go ahead. Sorry, they're getting that booty. <laughs> oh. History is fun. <laughs> I know. It is fun. This is cool, but when you said booty, I was like... <laughs> Ship classy. Anyways. How do you spell that? It's C... It's S-H-E. Uh -huh. She. She. K-E. K-E. L E S H I. Shikishi. I love it. Why do I? I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna and have a kid named Shikishi for, for that. Now there is another theory. Okay. That has not been formalized by any scientific research or anything okay. like that. Aliens. But it's no. Oh. Um. <laughs> it is actually the belief that maybe the sea people weren't the ancient Greeks. They were the We're not. Oh, we're not. Okay. But they could have came further in the Mediterranean than the ancient Greeks. Okay. And there's also a thought that there might have been a Greek person, mm -hmm. probably from Athens, who went to Egypt and gained some knowledge about an ancient force attacking the ancient Greeks and destroying all cities who stood before them. Mm-hmm. And these people may or may not have been called the Atlanteans. No. And so there is a theory out there that the sea people were the, not that they were from Atlantis, but they were the original um, precursor to the Atlantis myth. Now, there's several flaws that I feel like we'll talk about next time when we come back in our Atlantis. Mm, when we talk about that. Yeah. But. I love that. In our next episode when we do a deep dive into Atlantis I will talk about that theory a little bit more. I like how you said we do a deep dive into Atlantis because it's supposedly sunk. You know. <laughs> it made me happy. I love that and I accept that as fact now. <laughs> oh. Because like you know Atlantis Atlanteans are said to like they have like technology beyond right at the time and I guess even beyond now in a sense because we really don't understand or they're mysterious you know yeah so I mean I like to believe that and because you know you were saying the sea people were like they were like beyond others pretty much right so I want I want to believe it and also Red Mediterraneans always look exotic anyway, and I imagine Atlanteans as Mediterranean in my head, no matter what, anyway. Yeah. So it, like, it makes me want to even more believe it. 
Yeah, see, I tried to compile all the theories I thought you'd love. That made me very happy because I <laughs> I love, see, okay, I love the stuff that's probably not true, but I want it to be true kind of things, like aliens. I love the Atlantis theory. I yeah. love it. I adore it. I, I want you to know that I was trying to figure out something that would tick all your boxes. At one point, I even put into my search <laughs> engine, I put the sea peoples plus Bigfoot. Like, just to Did see if really? anything popped up. <laughs> Nothing popped up. There is no connection. I was like, well, I guess we'll have to wait for another episode. Well, I already knew you knew what to, well, you knew what you were doing whenever you were like, Jessica, it's not mermaids. So I was like, oh. <laughs> so you know what I was going to think about. I, I love that. I saw, I saw the letter M forming on your lips, and uh, I was like, Jessica, it's not mermaids. I was Let literally me about to say, mermaids. <laughs> I But when you say see people... I, you know, when you say right. that, I think mermaids or like Lost Colony that I was kind of trying to talk about. And that's what I meant. Like Atlantis. Right. I love that. <laughs> I accept it as fact. That's it. Yeah. I want you to know. That's that, all there is. That this whole thing started because I knew you loved Atlantis. And I was like, I was listening to a documentary a little while ago. Were you? Yeah. Oh. And like before we ever decided to do the present episode, I had watched a documentary and they're like, there is a theory on it that uh, this ancient group of people called the Sea People could have been Atlanteans, but they gave no more information. Mm. So, I was like, let's do some research into that. And I was like, once I started going, and once I found, like, the Battle of Troy, I was like, oh, I'm on to something now. I just ate that junk up. <laughs> I love that stuff. I, I loved the Odyssey. I love all that stuff. Right. Oh, my God. Like, Polyphemus. Oh, my God. I love that. That was fun. This was so fun. I know. I think this, this is has one of been, my favorite episodes. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah. It it's has fun. to be. And we've had so much fun doing it because we were purposely searching out the thing to make the other person just go, oh my God. Oh my God. See, I was like, I was like, oh man. Okay. That's cool. And then when you said Atlanta, I was like, what? <laughs> no. You should have seen your face when I said the Battle of Troy. I love it. Because your face did this. You went, and I know that y'all can't see it, but it was just a moment of sheer surprise. We may have to make a video, too. We should. Oh, man. <laughs> Honestly, we should do this more often. Oh, yeah. I'd love to, because they're not related. There's no, no, like, correlation. But it was so fun. And I ended up actually liking something that I don't usually like. Or right. I'm not something I'm not into. Wow. And I learned something today. I know. Learned a lot of fascinating things you can now talk about around the well, office. Well, it was biblical. It also had, you know, a myth and legend. Right, and I want to go into, like, and the worst part is, like, there were so many side stories to this one that I really wanted to go into. And I'm like, no, Creighton, oh. you've got to focus in on the sea We'll go people. back. We'll have to go back. Yeah. We'll like, have to. The, some of the biblical ones, I really want to go back and look at them. I want like you Israel. to go into them. I want you to because, so I was blessed enough to get to go to Rome before. And so I got to go see some biblical things. And ever since then, I have, like, this massive fascination for, like, Biblical history. Yeah, I do. Well, you know, so often I think that we forget that the Bible, two things can exist. A Bible and history can go together, just like the Bible and science can go together. Right. Well, see, and here's my thing. When people take the Bible as literal word of God, because it is, it it is like God speaking, but God spoke through people and people aren't perfect. Well, we have a King James Version. Right, and so, you know, and, like, yeah. I think you have to take that into account, and you have to realize that the first part of the Bible, mm-hmm. a lot of that recorded, like, Adam and Eve, 
that is a verbalized oral history. Right. Well, Moses <laughs> wrote most of it. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, all the way down. And, like, even gives you a whole, like, family tree of people without really giving you much context as to whether they were important, whether they did anything. Yeah. Like, there's literally like a long, like long section about so yeah, so goes, who got this. The person. son of Adam, Seth, the son of Adam, who gave birth to Abram, and the it goes son on of Seth, forever. Who, yeah. But this was so fun. Um, I really, 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 really liked this. Me too. Oh my god, I really, 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 really like you. Sorry. Please don't. Aww. <laughs> whatever, here. Right. Well. I think we've extended this one on long enough, though. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for sticking around. If you enjoyed this, let us know if we need to do more like these. I think we should. But Oh, yeah. I definitely think that we should. I'm so pumped for Atlantis, so that means we get to kind of refer back to this. Right. And, and that, that was the perfect setup when you chose Atlantis for our group project. I was like, okay, I hope you're ready. Because I already <laughs> had this story typed up. <laughs> so this is kind of like a taste of what... We're going to kind of talk about. Right. So we'll catch y'all at the end of this month on New Year's. Oh, my gosh. And have happy holidays, safe travels. We love you so much. We're grateful for you. And And we'll see you in the new year. Bye. Bye.